Welcome to the Black Knight Nation podcast, your source for the latest information about your Army Black Knights, with your host, Sal Interdonato. Hey, what's up, Black Knight Nation? We're back with the po- on our podcast. We have a very special guest tonight, uh, Bob Beretta. Also, Kevin Gleason joining us again um, for some some talk with Bob. Bob's worked at the West Point in the athletics department for 30 years, and we're going to talk to Bob a little bit about his time uh, there, some memories, some experiences. I know there's one experience I want to talk about, and uh, we're going to um, – Bob – Wish Bob congratulations on getting uh, the athletic director's job at Lemoyne. To um, you can follow us on all pod, pod podcast platforms. Be sure uh, to rate, uh, review us, and subscribe. And uh, we'll welcome uh, Bob to the podcast. How are you doing tonight, Bob? Hey, Sal, I'm doing great. Thanks so much for having me. I appreciate the time spending with both you and Kevin. I'm sure your audience by now, Sal, has gotten sick of me. This is twice in uh, about three week period there. <laughs> Kevin, what's going on tonight? Nothing much, Sal. Uh, all good. Uh, uh, just happy for Mr. Beretta getting this position. Uh, certainly well-deserved after three decades plus, I think, at, at, at the United States Military Academy. And uh, I'm really excited to see, uh, you know, where he, uh, where he takes it from here. Yeah, Bob, uh, really appreciate you hopping on. Uh, first off, um, I don't know. I, I just want to walk through your ties to the Hudson Valley area, right? I mean, you grew up here. You have a, a definitely a passion for the area, a passion for West Point. Um, you know, when I took a step back from what I was doing for 23 years, you were one of the first people to reach out to me and, and, and uh, wish me well. And um, it meant a lot. And it wasn't just about Army sports. It was about, like, local sports in general. How did you get kind of – started at West Point what was your how did you get started there to um, get your career going well first of all Sal you know and Kevin you guys are dear friends so uh, uh, we, we started out as business associates and developed this mutual respect I think and uh, and and I think the world of both of you you gentlemen you know that so uh, and, and yeah I, I'm a local guy I grew up here and and went to St. Bonaventure played baseball up there came home uh, contacted the folks at West Point. I had actually spent two summers while I was in college as the uh, sports editor, the point of view during the summer. And, and back then we were taking pictures and developing film and printing prints and, and all that, which I thought was going to be a great experience. I thought I was going to be set for life. Little did I realize that that skill was not going to be needed in about five years from that point in time. But uh, I, I contacted the folks, Bob Kinney in the sports information office. I, I got to meet him during my time at West Point and Matty Salvati and just on a lark, reached out to see if they really knew of any jobs in the area because my first choice coming out of school was going to be to try to stay home if I could somewhere in this area. I was working in the sports information office at St. Bonaventure at the time and thought that I'd like to make a run at that as a profession to try to get into college athletics. And when I contacted them, they said, hey, this might work out well. We're thinking about adding an intern in our sports information office. We don't have that position. So I went down to West Point and I met with Carl Ulrich, uh, the great athletic director, went on to become the executive uh, the executive director at the Patriot League, the first 
just a, a wonderful man, just a, a man for the ages. And uh, he brought me down. We went to the park restaurant. And his favorite was bread pudding. And everyone told me that if Mr. Orwich offers you bread pudding, you're in. So at the end of lunch, uh, he we had uh, you know we had a cheeseburger, and, and then he offered me bread pudding. So I left there feeling pretty good about my chances to to land that job, and and I did. And and this has been home, and I, I've been there ever since. Thirty four year thirty four years later, uh, I'm still uh, in the athletic department at West Point. I shortchanged you a couple of years. I was right in thirty for the whole time, Bob. It's all right. You're trying to make me younger. I like that, Sal. I, these days, <laughs> I, I told someone today as I was calling some of the coaches up at uh, up at Lemoyne, and I'm still trying to reach out to to everyone if I can here. Uh, I said I went from being the youngest person in those rooms to the oldest overnight. I, I don't know what happened, but uh, three decades flew by pretty fast. And you know, uh, when you're in a great place and you're passionate about it, and it's not like going to work. That, that can happen. I was blessed to have that happen to me. Mm. Yeah. Um, I look at like all the, even like to the end here um, with, with the responsibilities, it, it's what, what your job detailed. Yes. You were, you were in charge of sports information. Yes. You were all, a big part. A big part of your job is also schedule making for army football. Right. And um, you even took over as interim softball coach a few years back, right? I mean, so yeah, you wore a lot of hats in the department, and certainly that shows the passion that you you had for West Point, right? No doubt. No doubt, uh, absolutely, Sal. I think the one thing I tried to pride myself in was being able to reinvent myself and and move out of sports information to corporate sponsorship. I, I ran the ticket office and the development area for a while without a whole lot of experience in those areas, just on the job training. And uh, I think we, we sat down and, and figured out that at one point or another, I had the uh, opportunity to oversee every area of the, of the athletic department with the exception of one. And that was compliance over the years. So yeah, I, I even served a year as a head softball coach and that was so rewarding. It, it, it came out of a, from a, a, you know, a situation that wasn't so great with our program. And they asked me to step in because of my, experience on the on the travel side coaching for so many years here in the Hudson Valley thought it was going to be for two weeks and we stayed on uh, for the whole year but again to uh, to make those types of relationships at that granular level with those young ladies it'll it forever changed me uh, and and it's it's funny during this process I received several text messages from from my former players who are still at West Point and they're home for Christmas break right now but uh, they're really thrilled for me and and, and those are the type of, of moments that are um, really, you can't put a price tag on it. it. It really, it was, it was a year that took me away from my career trajectory of hopefully becoming an athletic director, but it was a year that I wouldn't trade for anything. No doubt. Kevin, what was your first, um, when did you first meet Bob? Uh, I'm guessing it was on the army football beat at some point in the nineties. I'm guessing. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Sal, I, I started the time show record December, uh, 18th, 1989. So um, it, it was it wasn't long uh, after that. I didn't. I wasn't afforded the opportunity to uh, go to that Army Navy game. I guess I just missed it by by a couple weeks. Uh, so 1990 came around, and uh, by the time the 90 season came into effect, I I was you know just helping out, doing whatever I could. A lot of high school coverage, mostly high school coverage. Every now and then they throw me a bone and let me. Uh, uh, go down and do an army sidebar or whatever, or, or maybe a, you know, a, a, a midweek story. And that's when I got to meet Bob and uh, some of his guys down there. And, you know, the thing that's interesting about 
the sports information department is, and you know this as as a writer, it's not always like the perfect relationship with writers because writers um, sometimes have their own agendas or often have their own agendas. Sports information directors essentially have not an agenda, but you know they want to shine a positive light on the on their institution, whether it's academy or any college. And uh, there's always a potential for conflict there. The thing that I, I, I loved and, and Bob and I clicked right away was because he gave me that autonomy and, and, and he, he did what he could to make my job better as opposed to, you know, there are some um, sports information people uh, that you would find that would maybe, you know, do everything they could to maybe shield you from that hard story or that uh, story that might not always, you know, shine a positive light. But we had that trust and Bob always knew that, you know, he, he knew that I wasn't going to uh, uh, wrong them in the sense of, you know, uh, burn them in the sense of writing something that wasn't true or, uh, uh, you know, something that was conniving. So we had a great mutual respect and, and it turned into a, uh, a three decade uh, friendship, uh, great bond that we had. And it, it's all born out of mutual respect. And, and, and that's the thing that, you know, I admired always about Bob was the fact that he had a great respect for the writers, great respect for everybody. And that carried over to his job. And that's why the past couple of weeks, you know, since this announcement was made, he's gotten texts and calls and emails from people all around the country. Um, I think he's, Bob's probably spent as much time working at the Academy as he has answering all these messages that he's gotten in the past couple of weeks, you know, just, and that's a, that's a tribute to him and, and who he is and what he's about. Um, and I guess, you know, just the point of my soliloquy there was that, you know, he's been able to form all these relationships just, just from, you know, being the type of guy who's a professional, be extremely talented and, and well-respected. Thank you, Kevin. That's uh means a lot to me coming from from both of you gentlemen you know how much i respect uh, both of you and the work that you did and yeah i, I think there there's certainly time for uh in, in that industry there's there's always that potential for conflict but i, I think we respected each other and uh, my job was always to protect the academy first but i also wanted to treat uh, the writers and the media members with that respect i know that you have a job to do and i think that as long as we were being fair to each other uh, then I think that that our, our relationship would flourish, and, and that's why it did flourish, and that's why we're we're still friends uh, over all these years, and, and both all of us kind of out of those out of those lanes. But uh, here we are tonight, and I think it is it, it really comes down to relationships and 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 having really solid bonds of trust, and I think that we developed that uh, all all three of us have developed that with each other. Yeah, absolutely. During your time in the army, and when did when did schedule making start getting into your um, on your plate? And can you just just discuss what it's like as army being an independent team to um, to make a schedule, especially this year where it was a little bit crazy with the pandemic and a lot of games were lost. So that's that's a great question, Sal. Uh, people ask me all the time, and and uh, it really, honestly, draw it, it came out of a friendship with Bobby Ross. Bobby was our head football coach and, and I was a sports information director at the time. And I developed a really good relationship with Bobby. And we were talking uh, every Sunday morning, I'd go in and talk to him about the previous day's game. And 
we got talking about scheduling and schedules. And at the time, uh, I was not working that scheduling. Uh, there was several athletic directors previously, and and he wasn't being brought into speed up to speed, I should say, on on who we were scheduling, even though it was at the time probably five or six years down the road. So we had an athletic director change, and and uh, Kevin Anderson came in and and started talking to Coach Ross, and Coach Ross offered hey, why don't you have Bob kind of help you with that? I'd like, we have a good relationship. And and that's how it started. Kevin uh, began as the athletic director and asked me if I would step in one day on a call. And then I, I pretty much uh, at that point took over all those responsibilities. As an athletic director, you have so many so many plates in the air, so many glass balls in the air. And as an independent, it, it can be overwhelming. If you think about at Army, we have to schedule 10 games a year. We have the Navy game and the Air Force game, but those other 10 games need to be filled. So sometimes scheduling one game can take 25 to 30 calls. And if you do that times 10 each year, and at Army, we also like to work, at least I do, my model has been to try to work 10 to 12 years out because we're very strategic in who we schedule and who we want to schedule. I think we try to target opponents that that we feel we can be competitive against on a weekly basis, try to be smart, uh, look at geographic regions where we can leverage that visibility from a recruiting standpoint, and then find that balance. You don't want to go to the same area multiple times. So there's a lot that goes into it. We look at weekends, holiday weekends, whether we want to be home or away for the core cadets. So there's a, there's a large matrix that goes into it. It's not just kind of throwing darts at the dartboard and see who will uh, who will be interested. It, it really is a, it's a dance that, and it takes two to dance. So sometimes we have the perfect opponent. We feel like lined up and we may call them and they may have no interest or that date might not work. And for army as an independent, those November dates and October dates are vital to being able to schedule because most of the conferences black those dates out for their conference members. So it can be extremely challenging to fill dates in November in mid to late October. And that's quite candidly, that's, I think, one of the most serious challenges to an independent is being able to schedule games in October and November. Because if you can't schedule games, you don't have opponents, you can't play, right? You, you, you're not going to play a six or a seven game season. So that has always been a, a great challenge. We benefited a bit here recently by the influx of, of a few independents with Liberty becoming an independent with UConn becoming an independent, leaving the AAC with UMass going that route. And, and quite honestly, with, with them being so geographically uh, friendly to us, right close by, those are great opponents for us. So you're going to see a steady diet of UConn and UMass over the next 10, 12 years. We've did, I, I've worked with their athletic directors, at both schools, uh, David Benedict at UConn and Ryan Bamford at UMass have become good friends just because we call all the time. And uh, particularly Ryan, who once interviewed for a job here at West Point, very good friends with Zach Spiker, uh, former basketball coach at West Point. And uh, so we've done 10 and 12 year series with them. As it turns out, it might have been like, hey, a three year. Then we added another three year and then another three year. And then this year during the pandemic, when we went through about 200 iterations of our schedule. One of those iterations had us playing a home and home against UMass this year and a home and home against UConn. Now that was where we thought that, hey, at least 
if we're going to lose all these games because the conferences are going to block out conference games only and you can only play one opponent, we're going to be in trouble. So I started calling the independent ADs in March, uh, all of them, Notre Dame, New Mexico State, Liberty, UConn, UMass, and talk to them about a matrix that just looked like a home and home schedule against independents. And so we had many options lined up as it turned out. The one school I thought we'd end up playing at least once was Liberty. And we ended up playing them. We didn't play them. And maybe it was a good thing. They were so good this year. Mm-hmm. But uh, and then so one by one, as they started falling off, that that hurt. And so when we lost, when UConn decided that that David decided not to play football this fall, that hurt us twice. It didn't just hurt us once. That wiped out two games at that time. And then within a week, Ryan decided to do the same thing with UMass. And that crushed us. We lost two more games there. Of course, Ryan came back online about a month, seven weeks later and asked if we would play them, but we were filled at that time. The date that he wanted to play us was the week before the Air Force game, and we wanted to keep that game that week open if we could, uh, and it didn't work out, but it was very dynamic. It, but it's a, it's a very in-depth process, and I've done it for now 15 years, and uh, I, it's been a great experience. I've made tremendous friendships with athletic directors, great networking, and right now we're scheduled one of my last one of my last uh, duties here at West Point before I depart in April will be to to ensure that all of our contracts are solid and and maybe add in a couple more series. But we're scheduled for the most part through 2034. And we have a, a, a couple of buy games, a couple of guarantee games that might extend to 35 or 36. So we're in really good shape. I think this program is set up for, for long term success from a scheduling standpoint and that's important for us because we can lock in the opponents that we want to lock in when we want to lock them in. And we don't have to worry about uh, what tomorrow might bring. We have contracts in place with buyouts. So if schools call us and, and want to make a change, they'll have to write us a check to do. We might have to scramble, but we're as protected as we possibly can be. Wow. It, se- it seems like pretty detailed. I was going to ask you if you're going to miss making those schedules, but when you schedule, that's a, you know, uh, 2036. I think I think you left Army in pretty good shape. Uh, talk about the opportunity you have now at Lemoyne and to uh, you know take the next step to uh, lead a department. Yeah, thanks, Sal. It's a it's a really intriguing opportunity for me to be honest with you. I I, I didn't always want to become an athletic director, but as time went on, I thought my career path was pointing towards that. Uh, I, I was involved here at West Point a couple of times ago when it went around and I, I was not fortunate enough to be selected, but I stayed on and I had a, a, a run at, at a job at, at my alma mater five years ago, basically offered the position and had to turn it down due to some, uh, some family situations that arose. And so this, this opportunity really intrigued me because I just, I just felt like there was a strong fit. I learned about the job last February and on a lark, I drove up one day to just, walk around campus. I wanted to see if I felt like it would be a fit for me. And uh, this is before I even applied. And I spent a day. I thought I was going to just drive around campus and drive home. And, and I spent the day on campus, walking around, talking to students, talking to staff members. I joked with the folks at Lemoyne that if it was at West Point, I probably would have been shot because uh, I didn't belong anywhere there. But I walked around acting like I knew that where I was and that I should be there. And so I spent a day and I, and I really was intrigued by it. Uh, it, it 
the 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 their their uh, their culture is 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 very much aligned with my own value set. It's a faith based institution. I went to St. Bonaventure, very similar to St. Bonaventure, a smaller campus. I felt like I really wanted to get on a smaller campus and try to develop those granular relationships that I talked about that I was able to develop with our with our softball team. I really wanted to get back to a place where I could maybe get to know all 400 student athletes by name and, and support them. And it's tough to do that at West Point because our young people are so structured. They're so busy uh, and, and, it, and they're fantastic. I've stayed there 34 years and, and I love it. And, and I'm going to be heartbroken to leave. Um, but this is an opportunity that I think that it was kind of call me, went through the interview process in March. Everything was suspended because of the pandemic, uh, went through the summer, not knowing what was going to happen. So I really, at that point, was really busy, focused on on what was going on at Army with our, our scheduling. As you know, as we touched on, it was it was crazy. Uh, went through the the football season, and of course, you're just fully consumed by football, and especially this year, not knowing if we were going to make it to the start line. I always had tried to have an opponent in my pocket in case we lost one due to testing, and uh, and then in November, in October, the folks at Lemoyne called me and, and asked me to to go up uh, for a two day interview a very intensive interview process, about 18 hours of interviews on a Monday and a Tuesday. Uh, and and uh, I left there and I felt, I felt very much uh, at ease with, with the leadership. President Lemura, just a fantastic individual, Bob Reclitus, who's the, the, uh, the board chair was very involved, very instrumental in, in me, in me going to Lemoyne. I met all the coaches. I had lunch with student athletes, and I felt really good about that opportunity. So uh, I was hopeful, and we went through uh, December, and 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 finally, just here recently, last Thursday, we made the official announcement that I would start in May, and I'll stay here through March. And uh, it's a little bittersweet, only because West Point has been my home for so long, and and to meet fantastic people like yourself outside of the academy, and then being able to to work with our cadet athletes on a daily basis, the officers, our generals, General Williams. Uh, uh, it's just been a blessing. Uh, but but I really felt like this was an opportunity that, that if I didn't uh, take this opportunity, I thought I would regret it the rest of my life. Oh, I was just saying, just just that Bob's character, what do you think LeMoyne will, 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 will bank out for Bob with just knowing the person you know? And Bob. Yeah, no, uh, absolutely. I mean, um, the thing about Bob is he's a, he's a natural leader, you know, and um, he, he was that as an athlete at Marlboro. He's a leader. He's a leader at West Point from the moment he got there, really. I remember even uh, in his early days there as a assistant to Bob Kinney. I know Bob entrusted uh, Bob Beretta with uh, all of the duties that um, – that he had, you know, and he had a great amount of uh, respect. And Bob, and here's Bob Kinney, you know, was probably on his fourth fourth decade of uh, of of being in that business. And um, he entrusted Bob Beretta with uh, all of the uh, important duties of that department. And Bob took was, you know, not only managed but thrived in it. And then he was perfectly suited to take over upon Bob Kinney's departure. Um, and then that's it, you know, and that's why he's a natural for any athletic director job. You know, you're talking about a guy who's, uh, has great leadership skills. Uh, I think a lot of them are innate. Uh, I had the great luxury 
of coach and travel softball alongside Bob, which was uh, two of the best summers of my life, you know, and, and not only because our daughters got to play together, you know, and um, it was just, it, it, I told him that recently, those are two of the best summers of my life, just watching him uh, um, lead this team and the job that he did communicating uh, his uh, goals and um, just, you know, watching him impart the lessons to these young ladies anywhere between ages of really 15 to, to 18 or 15 almost to 19, you know, which is, is a really long uh, stretch of ages when you're talking about young ladies. And, and he was able to do it so adeptly. So best way to answer your question is uh, that, you know, Bob's leadership is going to carry, carry over. Uh, to this position, you know, fluently and superbly, you know, and, and that's what I'm excited about with Bob to see him um, mold a department um, in the same way that he molded departments at West Point, surrounding himself with good people and um, just, you know, not uh, uh, micromanaging, um, being able to uh, uh, trust in the talent of others, which is a tremendous art form in and of itself. All these qualities that uh, Bob possesses, I, I can't wait to uh, follow it from afar. Um, and uh, every now and then I might have to make a little road trip to Syracuse to uh, make sure that, uh, you know, make sure the Dolphins are, are doing it on the field as well. Yeah, absolutely. Always invited fins up, guys, for sure. Hey everybody! I can't, How's hear, I can't hear the audio very well, but I, I I recognize that face from afar. It's good to see you guys. Hello, Bob. Hello, Kevin. Hello, Sal. Yeah, good to see you. I hear you better now, Volk. How you doing, buddy? I'm doing all right. I, I have to apologize in advance. Uh, There's a three month old making a lot of noise right now. Um, yeah. But uh, that's congratulations to Tim Volkman, a new a newly uh, minted father, three months, his beautiful baby oh, daughter goodness. Evelyn, and. Uh, I will tell you, I've seen several pictures, and thank goodness she's a spitting image of her mother. <laughs> hey, that's all the time we have today. Uh, <laughs> and there she is. As, as what did I tell you? On cue. Beautiful. Congratulations, y'all. Thanks very much. So, uh, yeah, I've been I've been listening a little bit to what Bob's talking about, and uh, you know, uh, everything. It, it it just brings back a lot of memories, you know. It, it, you know, it was 2007 when uh, I started at West Point, and uh, my wife Tracy, she started there on that same day. And uh, ever since then, it was. Uh, I mean, we were joking about it at dinner time. Everything we have right now is basically because of Barbarella. You know what I mean? We brought us together at work, and uh, kind of started our relationship, and uh, it went from there. But it was, it was just all about family back when we were there, and it was. Uh, it was just uh, we had a great team and we worked hard and we we played hard and it was all uh, it was all thanks to Bob. I mean, he was uh, he was an amazing person to work with. I won't even say for it was working with Bob. You know, um, it was he just gave you the confidence to do your job. He didn't micromanage you like you said, Kevin. Uh, it was, he, he let you do your job, but you knew you had top cover. If you needed assistance or you know someone to have your back on something, he was always there. So it was uh, it was an amazing six years that I had with Bob at West Point, and uh, I'm I'm proud to call him a friend until uh, 
Thanks, Tim. It's a mutual respect. And I, I think that's what we tried to do. We tried to formulate a family atmosphere and, and it wasn't forced because we brought in great people. We respected each other and we spent as much time together as we did with our family members. They were our family. So, uh, you know, I felt like it was really important that we uh, tried to tried to get along and it wasn't hard with the group that we had. We had a, a fantastic team with Tim and Tracy and Brian Gunning, Mike Albright, who was at Orange County Community College before those guys. And, you know, John Terry who was at Bucknell and uh, on and on. I can go Pam Flanke and Maddie Salvani, who's obviously been the backbone of that area forever at West Point. Uh, there'll be a statue for Maddie someday, um, but I don't think she'll ever leave. That's the, that's the problem. So, they'll, they'll, uh, but, but it, it, it was about the people it's always about relationships and it's what Sal and you and Kevin and I talked about before. And, and, and it's the same with, with Tim and Tracy and, and our, and our team there. It was, it's about relationships and hopefully I'll, I'll be able to build those same similar type of, of relationships up at Lemoyne. And I've been trying to spend as much time on the phone uh, as possible. I just got off the phone with the head softball coach, uh, uh, guys, you like that, and, and pass along a couple names of uh, some local talent that I've had my eye on here. Uh, so now we'll try to recruit them to Lemoyne here if we can over time. If I could just jump in, I mean, one of the things about that, and I know Tim will agree too, is that uh, the sports information people. I don't know if everybody's familiar with it. They all work like dogs. I mean, you know, I, I, I watched it uh, myself and. That's the one thing that we always had that initial bond to that. I think the newspaper, the newspaper people and the sports information people, I think we're always like vying for who, who works more per week, you know, somewhere between, you know, 75 to a hundred hours, I think was about the cutoff it seemed. But, um, and, and that's, you know, to me, that's why it was so important for Bob to have that uh, type of approach, you know, the family type atmosphere that Tim talked about, uh, I think is so necessary because, you know, you're together so often, you're working so hard, but, you know, if you can uh, understand that's for a common cause and, and that there is a lot of uh, reward at, at the end of the tunnel, then I'm sure it makes it a lot better, you know, and that's the big thing that uh, uh, we shared as, as newspaper people, too, is that, you know, you work so many hours, and but at the end of the day, you know, you really uh, get the... Um, feeling and, and impression that you're doing it for something that's uh, really a lot of fun and really, you know, in, in different ways special too. Well, you have those shares, shared responsibilities that uh, Kevin, you know, you, you were writing uh, on behalf of others, right? That's selfless service and being a selfless servant. And I think sports information people, athletic communications people, media relations people, they're all about putting the story first, putting other individuals first. So it's that that selfless service component that I think that thread runs throughout that industry. And, and I think there's a deep respect. And there's a deep respect when you show up at the press box early before anyone else and there's media members there. And then after when the lights go out, whether it's in a gym or uh, at a football stadium, and the only people that are still there are the your communication staff and your writers. So that gives you a great idea of of uh, the work ethic and, and the workload required in both in both professions. Yeah, no doubt, no doubt about that. We always enjoy. Yeah, our I, had change, I had to change the vices, guys. I'm sorry. Uh, I'm back now. All right, so I thought you took an early dinner break there, Sal. <laughs> but, um, I was going to point out to you that's okay. We'll take it from here, and uh, we'll we'll see you on next week's uh, podcast. 
I thought I thought you could handle it, so I'll just I'll just listen. You guys, <laughs> I, know, I, I, I honestly, I thought he went to go check on the great level of confidence in all of us. I appreciate that. You know, Kevin, no I, I thought you he went to go check the on the next I got one thing to talk about, and you guys can keep on going. I just want to add something <laughs> for the end. So, hey, hey, Tim, were you in the press box on um that snowy day in October 2012? Was were you still around at that point? I was there. I wasn't working in athletic communications. I was working on the A club at that point, but yeah, I was around for that. That was, uh, I'll never forget that. That was, that was quite a weekend for sure. October 31st, I think October 30th, 31st, Bob, you got to remember that day pretty well, right? Yeah. I, I mean, I slept on the floor of the press box that night. I can tell you that. Um, and we had, uh, I actually moved out into the stairwell because it was warmer in the stairwell than it was in the press box itself. And we had a few folks that stayed in. Some went over to Holler Center. I went in the stairwell, and I came out, and most of the people were gone. And I didn't know what happened. With I think they got a, they had an escape plan. And you know, West Point in the Soldiers' Creed is you never leave a fallen soldier behind. But I got left behind that day out there in the press box. Well, I actually have my own little piece to that. I it was the, I think maybe the only time I've ever gone to. Uh, Army West Point game as a fan. You know, I covered I covered the team pretty much as a as a beat writer, a columnist from 1993 to 2017. But that day we had I uh, coaching youth football, coaching my son youth football uh, that season, and we all all the coaches and all the families got together, and so we planned the trip to West Point. Well, sure enough, we got you know a bunch of tickets, and um, what do you know? You know, it falls on. One, one of the worst, you know, snowstorms in, in mid-Hudson history, I think. Um, got there uh, well enough, you know. Uh, I remember the snow, how hard it was coming down as we approached the game, but got there. And it wasn't just the snow. It was that bitter cold, yeah. you know. Um, and by halftime, the whole group of us, there had to be like 15 of us, we were, you know, we were done. Plus, we figured we had to get a start on the ride home, of course which wound up taking like four hours. Yeah. I think I had like four heart attacks on the way to the drive. Because <laughs> we got detoured. We couldn't get out to 293. So we had to go all the way down to Rockland County and then go up the throughway to get home at yeah. about 25 miles an hour on the throughway. But I didn't mean to steal your thunder because I did get to sleep in my own house that night. <laughs> so, yeah, I was on the floor of the press box, too. And I just remember I'm always, like, have to be the last one, you know, to go to sleep. So it's like sports center reruns, sports center reruns. Then crash on your coat on the floor of the press box and just hope you can get out in the morning, right? And then going down the hill toward Woodbury Commons, trees down, everything. But that was – I mean, that was the Max Jenkins game, I think, where Max Jenkins took over at yeah. quarterback and had a, had a really big game and – yeah. Against Fordham, yeah, that was uh, one of my one of the highlights. One of the highlights of my uh, beat writing career, no doubt. So it was like what was it, forty-two nothing at halftime or something. I'm like, geez, <laughs> they're running the snow. I, West Point players were running the snow like they're running on a plush track, yeah. you know. And Fordham was sliding all over the place, you know, like they were sleigh riding. Not too many yeah. people have ever said what I'm about to say, but I've never been so happy to live in Highland Falls, New York that day because I was able to walk home. <laughs> Max Jenkins was a guy from Texas. He was he was from Texas too, so I don't know how much he uh, saw snow, but he, I mean he took advantage of it, no doubt. That was 
That was fun. Any other any other game day memories for you, uh, Bob? I know you, you probably probably have too too many of them to to reveal. But are there any game day memories that strike you that in your, in your years at West Point? Sal, could you repeat that? You were breaking up there. Oh, sorry. Any game day memories that other than the snow game that you might have? Well, there there were some. Uh, there's so many, really. Uh, quite honestly, it's so hard to to think back. Obviously, the snow game, but Army Navy games. They're just incredible all the way to this year, where it ended like it did. Uh, last minute victories. Uh, anytime I was in a locker room with Jeff Munkin was a highlight. To be honest with you, anytime, and I'm sure your listeners, viewers have seen it on social media when he gives the. Uh, uh, I want to fight speech. I, I break out even thinking about it right now in the goosebumps. Um, he's a leader of men. He's the right man for this program. He will be for many, many years. Uh, so anytime I had a chance to be with coach Munkin in there, uh, it was a, was a thrill. And, and honestly, it was a learning experience that I was able to bring onto the coaching fields and try to teach life lessons to our girls. And now I'll hopefully bring that to Lemoyne and, and try and share some of those life lessons there as well. A lot of the things that I talk about are things that I learned from being in our locker rooms with great coaches, whether it was, uh, you know, some, some phenomenal basketball coaches, Zach Spike, or, or, you know, Gaudio when he was there for a while, Les Whitkey way back when, uh, some of the, some of the baseball dugout huddles, Danny Roberts and, and Joe Salano, and now Jim Foster. Uh, I, I could go on and on being around Dave McGarry, you know, I, M- Maggie Dixon, those years were incredible. Uh, what happened with Maggie was that that's something that'll stand out uh, always in my in my memory bank being around Dave and, and Brian Riley. I mean, how can you not learn when you're around Brian Riley? I mean, he is he is West Point. Congratulations to Brian and the family just registered their 1000th cumulative victory. I mean, you talk about a leader. Brian Riley is the epitome of that. So I, I when I think about moments, it's, I think about people more than moments, Sal. And I think that's how it should be about West Point. West Point is all about the, the people, whether it's the cadet athletes or the people that you have an opportunity to work with. For me, it's, it's those, it's those memories. It's, it's those imagery. It's those images. It's those people. It's those relationships and friendships. We talk a lot about the football program, but you know, you were, you're heavily, you were heavily involved in the baseball program and that had a ton of success going to the NCAAs. I mean, I think you were able to get, also, you were able to get the Yankees up to West Point too, right? Or no? Yeah, no, that's correct. And that, that honestly, when I look back on things, that'll always be one of my favorite moments at West Point. I grew up as a kid going to West Point every year, watching either the Mets or the Yankees play the Army team. My father did not like going into New York City, so that was his treat to me, was bringing him, uh, bringing me to, to West Point each year to see the Yankees or the Mets and maybe get an autograph or two. So to have an opportunity to bring the Yankees back was just, I can't even put it in the words and was able to make some great friendships with people like Lon Trost or Brian Cashman, Joe Girardi. Those people were fantastic to work with. We, were, we had a football relationship. We were able to talk and expand about, about bringing the baseball team up there and, and playing some, some uh, playing an exhibition games. So yeah, that, that will always be a, a highlight for me only because it, it it reaches back to my days as a youth. And I think, you know, it was something we were able to bring to the community. Uh, and hopefully there were a lot of young people in the stands that day and uh, we made some lifelong memories for them. Yeah, it's, it's, it, you're right. So, so, so much about the people and, 
it's not just we focus a lot about the football, but the baseball pro- program was a success. And I remember Team yeah. USA. I remember Team USA being at, having one of their practices or scrimmages at. Um, Chris, I remember talking to Steph Curry at Crystal Arena. I mean, that doesn't yeah. happen too often either. So, I mean, it, it's it's crazy. Um, this, so what what West Point – I hope that more – has an NHL game been there yet? Uh, I'm trying to think. Has, no, an NHL team has practiced there. Why am I we, saying game? Had, Tim, NHL teams used to practice there a lot too, right? Yeah, we they did. an exhibition game there at, at one point too i hope you guys can hear me i, I have to uh, get a battery charger because my phone is about ready to die but <laughs> that's uh, what happened. Yeah, we, we've had an exhibition game there too uh, i think the devils had an exhibition game there a few that years back yeah just kevin when, when we're talking about like you know bob's just love for west point and to bring it bring that you know a Yankees to West Point is something that, you know, you, you didn't think would be possible, but it, he ended up making help be a part of making that happen. And that was like, you know, oh, I, yeah. I can't imagine what, you know, just getting, you know, a franchise like that at West Point. That, that, that's a, that's a, that's an incredible, it's always effort. It seemed like there was always like some effort that you, that you in the background that Bob was always working effort in the background to get things done at West Point. Yeah, I mean, the Yankees especially, I mean, that's a coup, you know, the relationship that they formed with the Yankees and uh, being able to, you know, to to rely on the Yankees coming up and and spend some time, like you said, with the the GM and the manager. Um, The other thing I think about with Bob, you know, I know he feels fortunate too to have been able to uh, work, you know, more than half his life at a place right down the road from where he grew up, you know, and, and not everybody gets that opportunity. You know, I'm from the Albany area. I had to travel a couple hours to uh, get the job that I wanted, you know, and here he was, you know, able to do it down the road. And um, after being, I think probably the third or fourth most famous uh, uh, Marlboro High alumni <laughs> behind, of course, I think um, uh, Rob Bell, Dermal Brown and Snooky Polizzi, you know, uh, I think he's probably about four on that list, but it's very high. It's a, it's a high grade for Bob, and um, you know, <laughs> but now in all seriousness, he get and he gets to you know work at West Point, where I I know in many ways that was his dream job, you know, and, and um, will probably always uh, be his dream job in a sense, you know, as much as he's looking forward to the next chapter, you know, the um, he is able to uh, you know live his dream and, and get paid for it, which is a, is a pretty cool thing. Yeah. I, I just remember my first years on the army football beat and uh, yes, I had covered some West point sports before, but um, it was the Stan Brock. Stan Brock was the coach and it, it was just like being able to have that comfortability knowing that, Hey, new, new coach, new beat writer, kind of a little bit of a fresh, fresh start for, what our, our our newspaper was covering and I, I just remember you know yes you know there's times where there, there's some conversations going on right Bob that we have to have as far as but all in all it was it was always fair you know it was always fair and that's that's something I'll never never forget that that kind of volta me giving me my my start that's continued my love for the job no doubt when you can work, have a have that working relationship so yeah, and and I'll also say this. Stan, I, I mean, I also remember the, the important part about Stan was 
when you shook his hand, you had to make sure that your right hand wasn't actually broken because <laughs> he had hands the size of like three human beings. <laughs> yeah, and the other thing I'll say for you guys both, I mean, a tribute to both of you because it is not easy being a beat writer for an unsuccessful program, right? I mean, you guys have been there when times were good and you've been there when times were bad. And, and you know, it's, it's not easy for either side. It's not easy for a beat reporter to be with a team that is loses 14 straight games to Navy and, and can't muster a winning season, but once maybe in 10 years. And it's hard for the PR guy for, for Tim and I, you know, our job is to try to was always to try to put the program in the best light. And, and we knew that, Hey, it's a lot easier for, for you guys to do your job when we're 10 and two, the coach is never in a bad mood. The players are never in a bad mood. No one ever walks away from an interview request. So, it's a tribute to both of you that you were able to um, execute your, your mission so so uh, adeptly and, and do such a wonderful job because that's not easy. And and we were we struggled for a long time. There's no doubt about that. And now, you know, we, we got it right. You know, we got it right on a number of different fronts. And, 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 and you bring in the right leader and scheduling works and suddenly success manifests success and and things are a lot better now than they were 10 years ago. No question about that. Now, Sal, I would say Sal had it a little more challenging than I did. I, I got uh, uh, fortunate enough to cover the 93 team starting in 93. They were six and five. They had a pretty good team. 94, I think, were four and seven. But then they started turning around 95 with that five, five and one cantaloupe team. And then 96, I got, you know, to cover. And, and then, you know, teams were kind of up and down. After that, but then you know, uh, then I think Sal, I think you came aboard. What year did you come aboard? Right in time for I think um, 2007. Yeah, Stan Brock's first year. Yeah, a couple three and nines, you know. But um, yeah, and then Rich Ellerson. And hey, you know they did make the bowl game in 2010, so it wasn't terrible, you know. Right, that's right. four years, but then so, there was the yeah. You didn't, yeah. So you weren't. Um, you weren't on the 2000 team. No, no, no. Well, you were you there, Kevin, during, the right when the program uh, started. To, you were there, Kevin, right when the program started its upsurge. And I always talk back about the 95 team because uh, to this day, I felt like the 95 team might have been better than the 96 team that went to the Independence Bowl. The 95 team is the team that's featured in John Feinstein's book. And I think we went five five and one that year if i'm not mistaken and we lost some really tough ball games we lost out at washington that was my first game as the sid at west point went out there with mike albright and my first game so Mm -hmm. i'm you know a little bit swimming and we're beating washington in washington and back then the press box was halfway to heaven up there i mean it was incredibly high yes it was and uh, you can see Lake Washington from it very clearly. Oh, it, was, it was gorgeous. It was fantastic. And, uh, you know, I'm my first game flying solo as the SID. Um, uh, I've been at West Point at that point for eight years, but still uh, a little butterflies. And it was, a, it was a milestone day for me. I remember taking a picture with Mike and a few people from our staff walking in that day. And it was just, you know, one of those events for me. And then you know, the phone starts ringing back then. You don't have cell phones and ABC is calling. They want to know when the Last time Army beat a nationally ranked team was, and I'm like, uh, you know what? All the notes, I tried to be buttoned down as much as I could that day. My first game is SID. I'm on the phone calling Matty Salvani back in the press box saying, Matty, 
You got to help me here. It's my first day as the SID, and I don't have this answer. And sure, Maddie enough, was like, "All right, give me a minute. I got right here." Came up with it, in 1972 against Air Force. Yeah. And as it turns out, we didn't win that game, but we lost. I think uh, within seven points. I think we we're inside the five Eight. late, and honestly, it was the noise in that stadium that caused us all kind of problems. Mm-hmm. I remember the players talking about they said yeah. they never experienced that type of noise before. They said it was like. That like like uh, one of the, the the military jets on on the tarmac. It was that loud, and then we lost to Notre Dame. Of course, that wonderful game against the, the Irish down at, at the Meadowlands when Ivory Covington pushed out Ron Lashinsky when we went for two instead of uh, going for the tie. And I to this day laud Bob Sutton for that decision. Absolutely, you know, and 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 people wanted to make Ivory Covington out to be um, something iconic, but you know, Ron Lashinsky had him outweighed by 80 pounds, but Ron Lashinsky was heading out of bounds. And all Ivory Covington had to do was lock him up and shove him out of bounds. Great play, but um, it it wasn't because Ron Lashinsky got outmanned. It was because Ron Lashinsky's momentum was already taken out of bounds. And I happened to be standing right on the sideline where he got pushed out. But that was a great, that was a great team. And And the corner turned, I think in those tough losses, Kevin, and you probably can, would attest to that. And, then that day, that that monumental day at Boston College, where it, it was, you know, I, I kind of liken the weather to to what happened. It was kind of like the the gates being blown over for us. The floodgates got wiped down, and and now the Army program was gonna gonna take the nation by storm in that next year. And my goodness, it rained hard that day. John Feinstein uh, covered it so well in the book. That was really his first opportunity to get into the locker room. We had convinced Bob Sutton to give him a little bit of an opportunity. And uh, after the game, they won. I mean, we won 49-7. Bob looked at John and looked over to me and said, "Yeah, you're in here the rest of the year. You got free access." About three weeks ago, when we got together, Bob, uh, we we should we. I wish I wish you joined us because we had some football alums, including Cantaloupe, and of course we talked about the game at Boston College when Bob Sutton's famous. We're going to take the hill pregame uh, speech. We're taking Chestnut Hill. And uh, up 42 nothing at halftime, downpour. Boston College looked like it didn't want to come out for the second half. But uh, Kenilope and I got a cheap laugh after the about after the game yeah. when you we were basically wrestling uh, Brian Tucker away from the media <laughs> as he was uh, just lambasted in Boston College football team, uh, their, their desire, their yeah. guts, their lack thereof, and uh, lack of intestinal fortitude. And as he was going on, I remember meeting eyes with you, and I saw this look of horror on your face, <laughs> knowing knowing that these quotes were going to reverberate for a bit. And Jimmy um, uh, had reminded us that uh, he, I guess he got a nice little tune out by uh, Coach Sutton as well, uh, Brian, for the for those comments. But it was just uh, kind of the euphoria of the win, um, you know, and beating a team of that magnitude in their own home field. Part of an amazing season, you know. You left uh, Washington on the one yard line, you know, down eight could have could have tied that game. But you said, like you said, the crowd was going crazy, and it was just a tough situation. So many parts of that season were so special, you know. I said that to Sal. I said, you know, it might be a cool thing to have a, a twenty five year anniversary of the ninety five team because of uh, what they the impact that they had on the entire Army program, uh, you know, into the new millennium. Uh, so th- that was such a special season. I just find it funny that you mentioned that one, but I had also forgotten that that was kind of your, uh, 
your uh, entrance into the, the arena, so to speak. Yeah, I kind of got thrown in the fire there because John had wanted to try and do this book for several years. And we laugh about this all the time. Uh, and Bob Kinney was the SID and Jim Young wanted no part of that type of access. Bob Sutton took over and he was very, very leery about it. Um, so it was my first year as the SID and John, I have a great relationship with John now, but we, we were uh, just becoming acquainted with each other. And he said, Hey, Bob, I hate to put you in this, in this position, but I've been trying to write this book for several years. I've gained access from Navy and I'm going to go ahead and write this book one way or another this year. So if you won't provide us the same access that Navy does or similar access, it's going to be one-sided. It's going to be a book about Navy football and it's not going to show glowingly on, on army. And by, by nature, you, you as the SID. So uh, we went to work with Bob Sutton. Uh, Jim Cantaloupe was a was a, a dear friend of mine at the time, a player. And I got with Jimmy and talked to him. And we tried to get with the captains to get with Coach Sutton and get him uh, to say yes. And he was still very hesitant. And then finally, about three or four weeks into the season, we got him to agree to let John in on a test run at B.C., and that was the best uh, game we possibly could have chosen. And I think John, looking back now, realizes that he was very fortunate that he didn't write the book in 92 or 93 when Army really struggled. And there wasn't great storylines. But 95 was a potpourri, as you can remember, Kevin, of storylines. And it really made for uh, mm. a tremendous read. It really is a, is, is a book and a, that, that any Army fan should should read and, and maybe skip over that part about the post game in Boston college, because uh, I was horrified as Brian Tucker stood up there and just absolutely took the BC Eagles to the woodshed. And I, and I had to remind him afterwards. I said, Brian, your career, I think he was a senior, your career is done, but we have BC on the schedule a few more years down the road and somebody might have to pay the price of those comments. So, uh, but it was, he was euphoric and it was a monumental uh, upset. I mean, when we think about upsets, usually they're within a touchdown or 10 points. This was a 49 to seven victory over a team that was at least a two touchdown favorite over Army that day. So, and, and knowing Coach Sutton and, and, and seeing how the game unfolded, it could have been about 65 to seven. You know, I, I think he played everybody uh, except for the equipment manager in the second half. Um, it's, you know, and that's Bob for you, you know, where others, others, other coaches might've rubbed it in a little bit. Um, and BC had a pretty good quarterback named Matt Hasselbeck at, who I had forgotten about until Jimmy brought it up a few weeks ago. He had Hasselbeck and when we played Washington, Washington had a pretty good safety named lawyer Malloy. Right? Yeah. So, um, it's Don just, James you know, was the coach. Yeah. Yeah. Remembering those names and those faces and, but the BC, when I look back on games I've covered, other than Army-Navy games, BC game jumps out just because of uh, the the magnitude of the win for you guys. It was a water, it, no pun intended, it was a watershed moment for the pro, that program at that time. It was a watershed moment, and I'm convinced that that's what led to all the success in 96. It was those, those uh, character-building losses, and then it was that we can do this, we can accomplish great things, uh, against Boston College, and I think that really knocked the door down and led to the great successes of 96. Absolutely.
talking about like memorable seasons, Bob, this year, what Army had to go through, like like you talked about, putting together the schedule, right? And the, and during a pandemic, I wrote in a blog that this could be also considered a memorable season that will be go down a little bit in history, considering what the team accomplished. Back to back wins over Army and over Navy and Air Force to win the Commander in Chief's Trophy. I mean, how how would how would you how would you say you see this season as falling into like the history of Army football? Oh, I, I think you're spot on. Sal, uh, someone joked with me. I don't think they were joking. They, they said that they hoped that I had been taking notes uh, because this would be a book. This year would have would have been a, a great book to write about this season, about the scheduling piece, about how difficult it was, and and where you were at one point, who was on our schedule at one point, and and how it changed. You know, one week uh, in August, I went to my buddy and told him, "Hey, you know, we we have nine new opponents on our schedule. Like that was a big deal." And then the following Monday, I said, "Hey, Mike." We have nine new opponents from last Monday that weren't on our schedule a week ago that are on there now. And that went on for quite a while. But but when you think back to the end of the year, there'll never be a year like this again. I mean, hopefully. Right. God willing. Army and Navy. Will, uh, Army will never play Navy. Hopefully. Hopefully. Again, at West Point. Army will hopefully never play Navy and Air Force in back to back weeks. And if they ever do play again in back to back weeks, what's the chances of of a 10-7, 15-nothing, and then, oh, by the way, there's a bowl game coming up, which at that time we thought was going to be a week later, and then we had to pivot and call an audible and and basically change the charter plane in the air almost and steer it from Shreveport to, to Memphis. So, I, yeah, I, I think, Sal, you're right. I think this will be one for the ages. Uh, I think there hopefully there, there, there should be a book written about this season uh, at some point in time, and, and – uh, I think it, a great tribute to our superintendent, General Williams, who was so committed to keeping our football players safe and healthy, but not only our football players, the entire academy, the bubble that he instituted back in August. And then, you know, we, we isolated our players because General Williams knew how important it was to the academy and really to the nation that we were going to be able to get to pull off that Army-Navy game and play our force a week later. So I know that he's gotten some criticism because of that, uh, but it was done for a higher purpose. It wasn't about just football. That Army-Navy game was so important to the nation, and General Williams knew how important it was, and he felt an obligation to deliver that game to this country at this point in time. So I I give him a tremendous amount of credit, as I do Mike Buddy as the athletic director, who uh, was able to navigate these waters throughout the year, be very willing, very uh, accommodating. You know, Jeff Munkin, anytime I called him with an opponent, hey, Bob, we'll play anyone, anywhere, anytime. You tell me, you give me the opponent. I don't care if it's 48 hours in advance. We'll fly wherever to play someone. So uh, we were really fortunate. We had a great leadership triad there in General Williams, Mike Buddy, and, of course, Coach Munkin that allowed for all the successes that we had this year. And our players deserve a lot of credit, too. They did the right things. They stayed healthy. And some way, some way we were able to play 12 games. I'm, I'm disappointed. It just, you know, happened. We, we, we got kind of caught at the end. We, we had some players that, that uh, weren't available in the bowl game or else I think we probably would have won that game and finished, you know, 10-2 and two that year. I really believe that in my heart, that if we would have had a full complement, that we would have won that game. Uh, in Memphis, but it was a thrill to end the game at, at that bowl game where we were trying to get into that game for many, many years. I'd worked with Steve Earhart 
for us to get there, and we finally got there. Yeah, no doubt. I thought that that was it was a fitting um, game to end the season with. Maybe not the result that that the, the team or, or, the, or the staff might might have wanted, but I thought it was a fitting way to um, and and you look at what was on. You know, Oklahoma was on the schedule. BYU at one point was. I'm sure there's more about. It. I'm sure you ran through like you know. I'm sure you ran through the SEC. No, I'm just kidding. Um, uh, you know, but I'm sure there was a bunch of bunch of uh, options there. Um, uh, just just to close this, um, what just what will be you as you spend your last maybe month or so at West Point? Um, what are you gonna maybe remember is maybe too much of a loaded question, but what what were you kind of um, what were your thoughts center around as as you as you wrap your your West Point career? Well, I'll tell you, Sal, it's going to be difficult. Uh, I'm going to work at West Point through the month of March, and then I'm going to take the month of April and try to get settled in up in Syracuse and, and, and begin that transition. But but it's about the people, and we touched on that. It's like the faces that are on, on this box, you know, on this uh, on this call right now, people like Kevin Gleason and people like yourself, Sal, and, and Tim Volkman and, and Tracy Nelson Volkman and uh, all, all my dear friends that I was blessed to work with. I mean, that, that's what I'm going to think about. I mean, all these other memories. I, 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 you're right. I, I'm blessed. I, I grew up here. I grew up an Army fan. And I think about these incredible opportunities that I had working with Brian Cashman and the New York Yankees and owners of NHL hockey teams and folks from the Jets and the Philadelphia Eagles and the Phillies. I mean, it's, it's incredible. And I, I started going through them and I asked myself, do you really want to leave this job? Um, do you really, are you really going to regret that? Um, but I look at it as it has been an unbelievable opportunity for uh, a young guy from Middle Hope, Marlboro High School, Newburgh, New York, to, to come here, live out a dream, and it's been a dream, um, and I've been blessed for 34 years, and I just feel like, you know, this is an opportunity that, that I, owe, I owe myself a chance to go lead a program, but it's not really that. It's more about the fit. I feel like there's a calling for me to help up at LeMoyne, and I don't say that to sound self-serving i just feel like i can lend some of these experiences that i've gained over 34 years whether it be in locker rooms or um, some experiences in the business world and i think i can go help that institution in some capacity i hope i can anyway and i i just feel like there's a fit there i feel like a, a little bit of a calling to go up there and uh when i think back about my days at west point it's going to be about the people it's going to be about the cadet athletes it's going to be about the people that i was so blessed to work with uh, outside of the academy, and then of course my teammates that I was able to work with, people like Tim and and Tracy and Brian and Mike Albright, and on and on. The list goes on and on and on. Um, and of course Maddie Salvani, who is uh, you know just such a dear friend. And that, that's what I'll think about. And I'm gonna try not to think too hard about it because I'm 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 an emotional person. And Kevin knows he's seen me uh, he's seen me work myself up in, in those softball huddles with with our girls. But but I'm a passionate person and. And I think when you're passionate, you care and, and you show emotion. And, and, and that's who I am. I, I care. I've, I've cared deeply about West Point, about the mission, about the student athlete, about the cadet athlete and about the people that, that we've been able to work with and that family piece. So it's going to be hard. Uh, there's no doubt about it. I've loved every second of it. Uh, I, 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 who knows what the future will bring, right? Uh, but uh, at, at, at this point, uh, I'm really going to be focused on going up to Lemoyne and and hopefully uh, 
lead that program and, and help lead that program and help lend some of my experiences that, that I've been so blessed to have here. Hopefully bring those and share those and maybe in some small way we could advance that program. Yeah, you know, you look at, they say that coaches have like their coaching tree with the you know, assistants that move on, right? And you've had your your own kind of sports information or communications tree, right? I mean, you have so many people out there. Tim is one of them. So it really shows that it's not just, you're, you're right, it's about the relationships, it's about the people. And, you know, I'm sure that that certainly continues on. It, that 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 never ends, right? That never ends. So, well, the one thing, Sal, that I think that uh, the one thing I will pat myself on the back is I, I think I've always had a, a pretty good eye for talent and bringing in really good people that made me look awfully good. People like Tim and Tracy and Brian and Mike Albright and all those folks. And uh, Kevin can attest, you know, on the softball field, I feel like I had a pretty good eye for talent. I surrounded myself with a lot of our local girls around here that had uh, some of them just needed an opportunity to, to thrive. Kevin's daughter was one of them that, that maybe didn't get the opportunity uh, that she, that she deserved during her high school years. But then with us, with our team against college level competition, she thrived and flourished. So I, I really feel like that is the one uh, gift that I have is, is that I have an eye for talent and I'm smart enough to know that I need to surround myself with really good people to make myself look good because I might not be capable of doing it on my own. Uh, any last shout outs from Kevin or Tim before we, before we uh, leave? Go, go ahead, Tim. No, I was just, uh, like I said, thinking through a lot, a lot of memories were coming back, you know, listening to Bob talk and uh, thinking about the our years at West Point. But I mean, Bob's work ethic is, is unmatched and wherever he goes, Moyne, uh, he, he's absolutely going to work his tail off to be, the best person he can be every day, make the program he's associated with better every single day. So Lemoyne absolutely hit a home run when they hired Bob for sure. And, you know, I go back to when I first met Bob, it was at a sports information conference. Uh, I'm trying to remember where it was, but I mean, I was, I was an assistant division PSID, just kind of getting into the, into the, into the business. And I remember meeting Bob and just saying hi. And he took a genuine interest in, where I was and what I was doing, and he always did that at, at conferences that we went to. I mean, it didn't matter if you worked at a Division One college or a Division smallest Division Three college in the world. Everybody always knew Bob because Bob took an interest in who they were, and everybody liked being his friend just because he was the best guy in the world. And you know, it's it's the same 20, 25 years later. You know, since I've been in this business, it hasn't changed one bit. He's still the same guy he was. The first day I met him, he hasn't changed a bit. So, um, like I said, Lemoyne hit a home run hiring Bob. He's going to absolutely crush it. Um, I, I like that he says he takes pride in the great people he hired. I like to think I'm one of them, you know. Um, but uh, and it, we're really excited, Tracy and I, to have Bob a little closer to Rochester where we are. You know, I started at RIT a year ago, and uh, it's going to be awesome having him and Jen. Uh, only about an hour, hour and a half away. So we look forward to seeing him soon. Awesome, Kevin. Oh, good stuff. I, you know, I, I could go on and on and, and, and uh, uh, you know, Bob and I, we, we've had these conversations before about what he's meant to me and, and what he's meant to my, our family, um, especially my daughter. I mean, what he's done for her um, as her softball coach is something I can't even put into words. I get choked up thinking about it because she was a, 
uh, type of player that um, needed that type of push, encouragement, I guess, um, suffering from confidence and um, kind of a part-time player at Minnesink who, um, you know, never really got the great opportunity to be uh, a starter. And Bob took her on and, um, you know, on 18U. And, you know, what he showed was the power of the coach and what a co the impact a coach can have on a kid when that kid knows that the coach is in her corner, in her corner, it's unbelievable. You know, you hear about it and you see, you see it from afar, but when you see it up close, it's really, really um, an amazing thing, you know, and that's what she experienced. You know, she found, uh, finally found a coach who believed in her and, and it was just uh, unreal. So um, that gets me choked up thinking about that and thinking about the impact you've had on her. Um, and I know uh, that's something she'll never forget and we'll never forget. So uh, before I start boring like a little kid here, uh, um, I'll let go. But, you know, Bob knows how I feel about him. And, and um, I hope uh, I, I know everybody feels knows how uh, um, uh, how Bob has uh, done it right at West Point And he's done all the right things. And, and he's, you know, left a, a heck of a model for people to follow. Um, and anybody who wants to get into that business, if they want to do it the right way, they just spend some time with Bob because that's, you know, he's done it the right way there. And now he's going to go do it the right way at Lemoyne. And, uh, I can't wait to, can't wait to witness that one from afar. So Bob, you, you know how I feel about you and I thank you for everything. And, um, you know, I'm on behalf of the old times Herald record staff. Uh, we, we thank you and your staff for all that you did for us. And, um, you know, we obviously we wish you the best uh, in your next chapter. Absolutely, Bob. Thanks for thanks for hopping on. Thanks for uh, all the time tonight and all the best, all the best at um, Lemoyne. And uh, we'll wrap this podcast up. Follow us on all the podcast platforms. Rate, review, subscribe. And thanks to Tim Vol Volkman and Kevin Gleason for joining us and our special guest tonight, Bob Beretta. Thanks a lot. Sal, thanks. Good to see you, Bob. We will talk soon. Guys, it's a pleasure. Thanks so much for your time, and you're the best. Anytime. I'd love to talk to you again. Good luck with this adventure, Sal. I think it's first rate, and you deserve great success. So good luck to you. Thanks, man. I appreciate that. Thank you for listening to the Black Knight Nation podcast with your host, Sal Interdonato. For more information on your Army Black Knights, visit blackknightnation.com. And be sure to subscribe, follow, rate, and review on your favorite podcast app.